Hello, this is longtime Milwaukee radio personality Steve Pallack. Stand by, your next episode is queued up. The on air light is lit. It's season five of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. It's Chris Boyer, as always, with Jim Martin. Jim. Who's recovering from swallowing water earlier today? Swallowing water. I didn't swallow water. I wouldn't have to recover from that. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I aspirate, inhaled. They yeah. aspirate. It's called. <laughs> aspirated water. I inhaled it, uh, <clears throat> the whole swig of water into my lungs earlier. I was telling the story off air, and uh, it was not a, not a pleasant experience. And again, as we said off air, how come this doesn't happen more often? Right. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. want it to happen more no, often. No, no. I'm not happy that it happened to you. I apologize for if, if I implied that. Right. No, 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 I don't think you did, uh, but I appreciate that anyway, the clarification. Yeah. Um, and then we the, talked about biting, biting your tongue, biting your cheek. You have, that happens a lot with you. A lot. I have my wisdom teeth. There's a lot more teeth in my mouth than there should be. And so I, my cheeks eventually inevitably get caught in there. I have scar tissue built up on my cheeks. I've bitten, bit them so much. It's crazy. You have all four wisdom teeth. I do. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit, something kind of a medical thing. You've talked okay. about, you know, choking in water. I yeah. saw a commercial the other day, and uh, it was for a diabetes medication. You know, these uh, these medications always have these vague aspirational Latin-sounding names. Yes, right. right? Mm-hmm. Like Improvia. Sure. It's always something that sounds made <laughs> right. up. You know? Yeah, yeah. They said this particular medication, they said in addition to approving uh, your A1C, which I had viewed as a faulty battleship coordinate, they said people incidentally lost weight. They said they lost eight pounds versus three pounds with a sugar pill. Now they didn't say placebo. They said sugar pill, right? Okay. So honestly, I think that's burying the lead because apparently you can lose weight by eating sugar pills. Apparently. I wish yeah. I'd known this before. Three pounds. Yeah, three, three pounds. pounds. You can lose by eating wow. M&Ms apparently. Just by eating M&Ms. Wow. That, that is, that is a revelation. I'm going to go, uh, scarf some down right after this. I yeah. Think. Forget about the Improvia, you know, just go for the yeah, M&Ms. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And who came up with this idea of sugar pills for placebos? I think if I'm in the control group, I'm picking this up. Oh, yeah. What pills taste like sugar? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's going to be like, it should taste bitter. They should put some like right, right. bitters in it or something. I don't know. Yeah. If I'm eating the medication, it tastes like Smarties. I'm thinking, okay, I'm yeah, control hold, group. Hold on. This is yeah. the sugar pill. I'm I can't sure. suspend disbelief at this point. Right. Then, right. You know, then I know. And then it's going to screw up the placebo effect. Right. Exactly. Our guest tonight is Steve Van. I should have asked him before we brought him on. Our guest is Stephen Van. Uh, Steve, you want me to pronounce your name for me? <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Vanitza. Vanitza. That, that's what I thought. Vanitza. Like pizza with like a fan. Exactly. Vanitza. That's what I was going to be my guest. But Vanitza. <clears throat> that that must be the first rule of podcasting. Know how to pronounce a guest's <laughs> name, and I didn't know it. That's not good. Yeah. That's not good. I'm not going to edit this because I need to learn. You get a so little. People have. To you should. You mistakes. should. This should be your like. You know. This should be your 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 public shame. Hang, My wake up call. Hang it up there. That's right. School Fanitza. of hard knocks. There Chris. you go. Fanitza, <laughs> uh very Italian. You're 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 probably 150 percent Italian. I'm assuming. Almost. Um, 50. What's the other half? Uh, now we got to know. My mom Sicilian. is Irish. Um, of course, when I was growing up, I was Irish and Italian. And then something called Ancestry.com came around. And I found out that I'm not 
Irish and Italian. I am apparently every other country from Europe as well. Uh, oh. Pretty much just a worldly guy. So you're like the, the supreme finitza. Right. I, yeah. You know what? I am now. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put that on business cards. <laughs> I uh, I probably said this before, but I get a kick out of people saying, I'm a mutt, right? When they oh, say, yeah. I'm part German, part Polish, part Czech. That's like saying I'm part Wisconsin, part Illinois, part Indiana. They're 12 miles apart. Yeah, It doesn't make your mud if, if somebody was on one side of the border versus the other side of the border. Well, not point. to mention the fact there's no such thing as a mud anymore. All the muds now are, are uh, what do they call them? Like designer breeds. It used right. to be, oh, yeah, my, my Labrador got had by a poodle down the street. And then yeah. all of a sudden, that's a desired thing. I, <laughs> I, you know, I grew up with dock sounds, right? And yeah. now they got like different colors. They got ones with like spoilers on them. So they stick close to the ground so they can huh? take the corners quicker. But anyway, Steve Fanitza is in the video production. Well, let me ask you, tying into my little uh, uh, talk here earlier, commercials. I imagine mm-hmm. you probably are involved in commercials, right? Sure. Um, I just finished some today. In fact, they were in both English and Spanish. There's about 24 total deliveries to do so that they can run this campaign. Um it was pretty clear that it was written in Spanish and translated. I've done a lot of work in the, in Mexico and the Caribbean. And so I've done a lot of work where you interview people where English is their second language. And there's certain phrases that they, that they turn that you recognize right away. Like, mm-hmm. uh, no longer, uh, they'll, instead of saying, we don't do that anymore, they go, you know, we, you no longer, we no longer do that. Okay. Well, that's fine. But when they say you no longer have to do this. As though, oh, thank goodness, I no longer have to push my car in order to save money on gas. Um, it was in the commercial. <laughs> it was actually in the commercial. You no longer have to push your car to save money on gas. In Spanish, it made perfect sense. In right. English, it just was a little bit awkward. Now, Steve, you're in the Chicago area. I am. Do you do you do uh, national campaigns with commercials? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did. I used to write and direct national spots for Culligan. I once got on the train. Uh, coming home and uh, ran into somebody I had gone to college with. And she was a theater major way back when. And I needed somebody in a voiceover booth just to give me three words. Hey, Culligan man. Hey, Um, Culligan man. I had seen this. I mean, she's a good actress. She's She's been on LA Law or whatever the TV shows are with law in it these days, Chicago Law, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't watch any of them in case you hadn't noticed. Uh, (laughs) She came in and I could not get a Hey Culligan out of her to save my soul. <laughs> what? Three hours worth of Hey Culligan, man's, And I finally Frankenstein some together in the edit suite and did a little time warp and pitch changed in order to just get it into the commercial. So were you trying to do it like the original Hey Culligan man? It was a specifically the one thing you can't do is the screechy Hey Culligan man housewife. So oh, okay. I needed her to just kind of explore. And I had this rule where I try not to say it for you and then have you parrot it back to me. It's like literally kind of, I don't want to read your line for you because I respect you too much as an actor. You've got a voice that sounds very professional. Do you? I've do done my share of voiceover work, yeah. Is it something that you practice or is it just your voice? A little bit of both. Um, first, it was a matter of people going, hey, you got a good voice. <laughs> and, um, All right. and then you try to go prove it and probably over emote and mm-hmm. talk too fast. I actually put a, a, a CD together one time. That's how long ago it was. It was oh. a hard <laughs> see for the kids at home. A CD was this piece of plastic on which you can 
like embed audio recordings and then what? send it to people who had machines that could play it back. It was pretty sure. cool. Um, I sent it to, to this one agency who will remain nameless, but it was one of the bigger agencies. Just a, Hey, I would like to, I put a little, a whole bunch of samples on there and I got not even a letter. I got a postcard back oh. that said, thank you for your <laughs> submission. Please don't ever submit again. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's a tough love. What about well, you said, I didn't feel the love. <laughs> no. <laughs> what about the the copy? Do you ever get involved with the creative part of it, or do you always oh, yeah. have a script? Yeah. No, no, no. I then a lot of it is is that. Um, okay. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a I'm a producer. I, on the Culligan commercials, I even did the soundtrack for the like the music track. I wrote some music for it. Oh um, wow! It was just oh, cool. one of those things where we had free reign to pretty much just do it, and so we did. But Chicago's got a lot of national, a uh, lot of uh, he- corporate headquarters in Chicago. Yeah. The thing is, at any opportunity, if someone in another city wants me to come and do work, I say, yes, I'd be happy to work. I don't care where you are. I'll work all over the world. I've got experience carrying equipment across international borders and back, which is no small task. It's called carnet. And it's like getting a passport for your equipment. I was in Mexico one time and I had, you know, those little tripods that like 20 bucks or whatever they are that you yeah. get. Well, by the end of the week, that tripod just it was done. It's muerto, as they would have said down there. <laughs> and uh, I dropped it in la basura, the garbage. Um, I went through customs to get back to the States and they, they were like, well, where is this? I went. It's gone. It's dead. I'm using American sign language for the word dead. And they didn't get that either. It took a while for them to understand. Uh, Eventually they did let me get back into the country, but uh, it was, it was, it was a harder fight than I needed. When you say video production, are you doing like, you're doing editing and that kind of thing. So are you adding like special effects using like Mm -hmm. CGI kind of uh, software or something? Yeah. Now I don't, I'm not an artist. I'm creative, not artistic. I always say. Okay. Um, there's a difference. Um, I manage artists. Hmm. Um, if I feel like I'm looking for an effect that is uh, beyond my reach, I'll hire someone. So while I am currently a single person in a corporated entity, um, I do hire freelancers on a regular basis. Hmm. Um, I used to have a studio in the city, downtown Chicago, where we had, you know, I don't know, 10,000 square feet and, you know, 20 people on staff and all that kind of thing. And that was horrible. That was just a very, very high overhead way of doing this. <laughs> right, right, right. Are you um, working from home now, or, or are you? Um, I have a yeah. I have a, a, a editing capability at home, and it's not just. I'm not just in, like in a, the closet with a laptop and yeah. putting together TV shows. Right. I've got a, a a full room. I've got a client area. I've got a sofa. I've got wine. You know, everything well, you need for an edit suite. Well, there you go. Wine. I mean, that's yeah, a liquor nice. license. <laughs> like, <laughs> Only if I sell it. <laughs> yeah. We talked off air a little bit about uh, one of the sports teams. Have you run into people like, say, Jordan or other people in Chicago that uh, are bigger names? Well, um, yeah, my my favorite encounter was with Carrollton Fisk. Uh, he was a he was an ambassador at a ball game when I was at a Sox game. And uh, we were up in the skybox. He just kind of was shying away from all the people. He was just taking a break. Too many people were just like swarming him and, and telling him that he's, that he's great, which is <laughs> I, maybe I assume I, it's never happened to me, but I it assume gets so it's old, wonderful. Steve, let me tell you, it gets <laughs> yeah, so old. Yeah, I can old. imagine. Jim, tell us all Jeez. about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But anyway, um, at one point he and I were just like having a beer and talking about baseball and it wasn't, it wasn't talking about him. It was talking about, and you kind of saw this veteran who was just crusted over with this whole, God, I can't wait until this day is over. He just became a little kid again. His eyes lit up and he was talking all about strategy and baseball and stuff and just who his heroes were, which unfortunately I don't remember who they were, but, uh, um, it was a great conversation to the point where the marketing people came by with these, these platters, like a waiter would carry just full of baseballs and Sharpies. And it was, he just instinctively grabbed one. Like he was trained, like, you know, Pavlov's dog to just, there's baseballs must sign. Right. <laughs> he signs it and hands it to me. And I literally kind of looked around and I was like, what? That's for you. <laughs> uh the funny thing was though ron kittle was in the room at the same time you know another former uh rookie of the year uh ron is a little bit more hungry for attention than carrollton okay, <laughs> interesting. he came from a nowhere i don't know i mean i never saw him run this fast on the base paths but all of a sudden <laughs> this tall guy rips this ball out of my hand and writes ron kittle on it <laughs> <laughs> the same one that, that uh, he had. Yes. So you had two names on it. Yeah. So it was a kind of a, the fun part about it was <laughs> I, I suddenly realized now, if I were the type of guy that wants to try and capitalize on sports memorabilia, I've got two rookies of the year on the same ball. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. I was watching the Cubs and the Sox play and Lou Pinello was co- was managing the Cubs and Ozzie Gian was managing the White Sox. And I'm like, if I can uh-huh. get those two guys on this ball, there's going to be somebody who wants to talk to me. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. No kidding. I I know some guys that uh, as adults, you know, people in their thirties and forties that are going up trying to get ball players to sign these things because then they resell them on, on eBay and things like that. And these guys are sick of people like this. You know, they're you yeah. know signing it for little kids, but when they got adults trying to make money off them, that's got to be um, annoying, I'd imagine. Well, how about you know how about the forty-five-year-old guy in the bleachers with a baseball mitt? Isn't that yeah. a little embarrassing? Yeah, or- there's there's just a whole story. Uh, maybe this is what you're referring to, but Craig Council, our the Brewers manager, just like three weeks ago said like nobody over the age of 14 should have a glove in the stands. <laughs> Good for yeah, him. Yeah, and um, but you know, I, I I don't bring my glove. My son does, but I'll I'll say this. I think it's it's unfortunate for people like me who who've been huge baseball fans my whole life. I've never gotten a ball. If I get a ball, I'm expected to turn to the closest kid and you hand are. it to them. Screw you, man. <laughs> I have, I've been waiting 52 years for this ball. Like, come on, you, you get your chance. You play, you got plenty of years left. I only got a couple, I think. You know, who knows? Who knows why? <laughs> I I mean, it would be like, <laughs> it would be like the tip at Starbucks though, right? If the camera wasn't on you when you gave it, you had to take it back until they find you. Right, right. Yeah. yeah like, you don't like want to Costanza. drop the tip in the bucket if they're not right. looking. So, Steve, now you mentioned uh, that you play a little music behind that. Have you worked with people in music production? Not really people of note, come to think of it. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's a little musical humor. <laughs> um, I think being a musician earlier in my life greatly enhanced my ability to become an editor because it's all about pacing and rhythm. You know, I, I edit some of these podcasts and I'm getting better at, at letting it go. Uh, but sometimes you can get just you can just get obsessed with editing. Have you been able to let that go? Um, I learned probably in my first three years of, of like hardcore editing when I first, and not that I was editing hardcore anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there is a time where you, you have to learn the phrase, 
Sometimes it's just time to say, stop editing. Just stop editing. You're done. I mean, you can continue making it different. You can't continue improving it. And that's an art, obviously. That's that's what they pay you for. I remember way back in the beginning when we had our first set of podcasts and we had a lot of time before we released them. I just kept editing and re-editing and re-editing, re-editing. I was driving myself nuts, but I had time. And uh, so I just kept doing it. Now you know, we get them out pretty quick. And mm-hmm. so now I think, okay, it's good enough. It's time to get out. Uh, and that really is, uh, like, depending, if, I, if I'm doing a documentary for PBS, you better spend that extra time. But if, if it's a video news release that's like at Thanksgiving and it's a fake family doing a fake Thanksgiving dinner with a turkey that was only cooked for an hour and then painted with varnish, you don't have to spend <laughs> all that time, do you? Because it, it's going to end up. 20 seconds of it are going to end up on some newscast at the end as they're just about to go to credits. You got to, you got to realize when are you being paid to do that? And when aren't you? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have right. you done documentaries for PBS? You mentioned that. Yeah. But- um, that was like one of the earlier stuff that I did. It was all business related. It wasn't very interesting to the general population. Uh, unfortunately we lost my oldest aunt. Uh, she was 93 this year. Oh, uh, and at her services, I told the story about, this had to have been like 1980 or maybe 1991 or something like that. Everybody in the family knew that eight o'clock on channel 11 in Chicago, we were going to have this show that Steven worked on. It was all about time-based management with Tom Peters, the business guru who uh, wrote in search of excellence. Now, now it's all coming to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh, that, remember that the thriving guy. on chaos guy. Yeah. Right, I, still, right, I still have that on VCR. Yeah, oh, very nice. My, my my tape is almost worn out. I'm a little yeah. concerned. Yeah, yeah. well, so, you know what? I might still have one in the garage. I'll take a look. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it was nice when my aunt called me up as soon as that show was over. And I said, so what'd you think? And she said, I don't have any idea what I just watched, but I loved seeing your name. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So that was fun. Well, fast forward a few years. I'm in like Fargo, North Dakota or something like waiting for a flight home after doing a shoot at a Pepsi plant. And, uh, uh, I, there's a Barnes and Noble. So I walk into it and just to make myself feel better. I look for Tom Peter's book, liberation management, because I pull it off the shelf and go to the index and find my name because I'm on three pages where we, when we were doing the PBS, like, so this was like field studies, like case studies. We'd go to a company and interview a bunch of people from the CEO down to the frontline worker and then put the story together of the success of this company and why is it successful and all that. And then though, he would then do like a, a big lecture. So we would go to a ballroom and bring in a stage and bring in a camera crew. And so turn it into like a big six camera production of a lecture. And then you intercut that with this case study stuff and there's your show. Uh, well, for the part where we were doing his five cameras or six, whatever it was, camera thing in Dallas, uh, he was so impressed with the fact that we were all there. We all knew what job we were supposed to do, but we never met each other before. We just all showed up into one location, turned it into a TV station did our thing, broke it down, and then all went our separate ways and never saw each other again. And he thought, wow, that is that is just an interesting business example, you know? Yeah. So I guess I'm single-handedly, like, responsible for outsourcing. Outsourcing Pioneer. Pioneer, yeah. 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 Supreme Finitza yeah. outsourcing Pioneer. Well, anyway, I'd like to thank uh, Stephen Finitza 
I got it right. It took me half an hour to get it right, but I got. I'd like to thank Stephen Finita talking about video production, something we haven't talked about before on the podcast. I want to thank you for coming on the show, Stephen, and and I'm sure I'll see you down in Illinois one of these days. I hope we do. Well, thanks All for right. the time, Steve. Appreciate you coming on here and chatting with us. I had a good time. Good night, Steve. <laughs> good night, guys. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast when we talk with our political correspondent, Chad Honer. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.